0: Hello and welcome to Tokyo Implinks. my name is CY. you can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram at tokyostationpens, on Twitter at tokyostationmnh.
1: My name is Jacob, I'm food fan on Instagram and on Twitter and have a blog at foodofan.com.
0: And welcome, this is episode 35, thank you, thank you everybody so much for, uh, for being with us. Um, you know, we always say it, but it's all thanks to everybody who listens to this show that makes it possible so we are really really grateful um as always, we're gonna start off by reading a few reviews um I want to get with get to one review that wasn't actually written on um Apple podcast actually, but it was instead written um into us as a question but I thought you know this was a review, so I'm just going to read it so this review is from bond lao and bond lao writes dear cy and jacob it is difficult for me to tell you my sincere appreciation for your elegant capturing of the moon man controversy i'm a lover of all writing instruments but i'm also a person who deeply believes the world needs more pos- positivity i hope your clear exposition of how the brands we have we all revere so much Stereo, Platinum, Pilot, could not exist without Blanc Parker, etc. Will not fall upon deaf ears. You clearly tried not to go into the political realms, but it's so clear you support a viewpoint that a rising tide raises all boats. I wish more of the world felt as you do. Thank you for a podcast that doesn't just explicate upon the latest Japanese pen scene, but also the touch of humanity you bring on a bi-weekly basis. Sincerely, Bond Lao. P.S. Your title, Tomer River, is the new toilet paper was so perfect.
1: Thank you for that.
0: Well, thank you, Bond. Uh, yeah, we really appreciate that. You know, um, you know what we're trying to do is really, we're not a political podcast. I mean, we could probably have another one if if we really wanted to go there. But that's not what we are trying to achieve here. We're trying to really um, bring a lot of information about about pens, about stationery. But I think at the same time, that's not really possible unless we also put a bit of our personal viewpoints in it, right? I think that's what makes any hobby.
1: There may be the occasional opinion.
0: Yeah. And that's always what makes a hobby interesting is that, you know, mm. different people can approach the same hobby in such different ways. So that's at least um, what I think. So thank you very much, Bond. We really, really appreciate it. Um. Do we do a second one? Yes, we do. All right. So, um, the second one is from Shifujin via Apple Podcasts. Uh, excellent content slash always enjoy the commentary. Five stars. Gents, please keep at it. I listen to your podcast every time. I'd like to hear more of your opinions on papers and your thoughts on the differences in quality right out of the box among Pilot, Platinum, and Sailor. Also... If either of you or your guests have any experiences with Hakase, Dan. Well, thank you, Dan. Uh, Really appreciate it. I think, you know, right out of the box, I think there's definitely something to say here. The right out of the box experience. That's not something that we usually cover on this podcast. We're really really, um, more into like the custom or the vintage uh, type of discussion. But I think right out of the box has a very, um, it has a place Uh, among this discussion i definitely think that we should focus uh or at least we should spend some time talking about that so thank you very much for the idea
1: yeah i mean it's definitely a interesting thing to talk about but the problem is that both you and i usually the first thing we do whenever we get a new pen is we remove the nib and put another nib on it
0: (laughs) (laughs) that is true that is true um but i mean so many pens come to me that i i think i do have a fair share of uh out of the box. Uh, experience but yeah i mean i don't think i own a pen that is like as is out of the box you know at least not within my personal collection so uh so it's hard to do like a you know meticulous comparison as is but definitely we, we can definitely talk about that yeah yeah all right, so um, getting into today's topics, so we'll start with my acquisitions um, as we do. And then Jacob's acquisitions is mostly with uh, with what he got at Wagner. So yeah. we're going to tie that into the pen trading event uh, report. Yeah. And interestingly, my acquisition um, is also somewhat tied to an event. Um, but first, I want to give a shout out to our listener, Jez. Um, from the UK. Jez is very very kind and we've dealt with him multiple times Um, you know we've uh, we've um, helped him uh, acquire pens and then send them to Book and he was so kind uh, in sending us uh, a pair of sylvine bullet notebooks now I unfortunately forgot to bring it to you yesterday when we met but I have to say that this paper is very very nice Um, it doesn't really show through there's a little bit of I wouldn't say it's feathering but it does kind of have that um that I don't know how to say it um because the fibers are not like all even right so so the edges do have this kind of like zigzag um feel to which which to me kind of feels vintage um I I really like that uh and, you know, the, the pages come perforated, and I think that's it's it's a really nice touch. So I really like this paper. Um, it, It's got texture, so I think you'll like it too. Next time I see, I'll definitely uh, bring it out to you. I'm sure you will. <laughs> if I remember. Uh, the second pen, uh, or the second thing, uh, which I acquired for a customer of mine, is a Blue isme Dorsal Fin 2. Now, I, I wanted to specifically talk about this one because... Um dorsal fins aren't exactly like super common, right? I mean you don't see them usually just randomly in in the stores. Sometimes they might have one, but it's usually like a standard um color.
1: Well if if I remember correctly and I'm very far from a Naka expert, but I, I seem to recall that I stopped taking orders for a while. Actually like, there wasn't the dorsal fin and then
0: and then it it sort of came back as the dorsal right. fin two, right? So so the dorsal fin one has uh, fins only on one side of the the pencil. It only has fins on the cap. And what I understand of it is that the fin itself is actually built up urushi. Right. Yeah. The dorsal fin two is not built up urushi from what I understand. From what I understand, the dorsal fin 2 is actually shaped ebonite.
1: Oh, that that's interesting. Okay, the, maybe that would explain then why maybe it was I don't know, too time-consuming to, to make it the original way, so they found another way of making it. Yeah, for sure.
0: Hmm. For sure. Um, and this is the first time that I've seen, at least, a ishime dorsal fin. They usually tend to be like taminuri. Um, and I have to say that Ishime is really nice. The blue is just like this shocking electric blue, and super super nice pen. They told me that this model, um, and this finish is not on the website yet, but it will be. Mm. So you will be able to to get this, and um, I got it at the Nakaya event at Itoya uh, last weekend. Uh, at the same time as Wagner mm. and um, this dorsal fin too I, I asked for it to um, come with a coarse nib and the interesting thing about buying it at a Nakai kind of event rather than just um, off the shelves is that uh, there are these um, nib workers who, who work with you and grind the pen to kind of like fit your angle now um, I have some some things to say about this. Uh, first of all, the setup. So they had the sales guy who wasn't really much of a sales guy, but mm-hmm. he was like the E tanto but he was just standing there basically. And then there are two people who seem to be like the, the nib people, or like, you know, the people who actually work on the pens. One of them just stood there and, you know, took questions or something. So it might have been the apprentice. The other one was the the actual nib worker and um in my case it was a lady i'm not sure what her name was um so as they asked me to fill out this form with like my name and like my address uh you know standard mm. customer information card they were observing how i was holding the pen mm. and then i asked for a course i did not ask for it to be ground mm. because my customer wanted me to grind it to a naginata afterwards but um at the desk when I was writing, so they would look at how I write, and then they would grind the pen, just you know, without even consulting me. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. So they ground the nib. <laughs> well, I- I'm sure
1: for, for most, <laughs> for most customers, that's probably might be the right thing. That's to a good do. thing. Uh, yeah. You're a bit of a special case
0: here. Um. So, I was hesitant. I was like, should I say something? And then I decided just not to say anything, just to see what they would make. Mm. And um, so they they uh, they were grinding the pen, grinding the pen. I have uh, I think I posted some uh, videos onto my stories. But, but s- sorry, so
1: you, you you really mean grinding? It was not just like chose just just trying to tweak info. They actually mm. removed tipping.
0: They had the. Um, they had the grinding stone there, and you can hear it go... So Okay, that's how... Yeah,
1: okay. Um, I guess some tipping was was removed then. Yeah.
0: But that's the curious thing. When I went back and I looked at it under the loop, mm. I just didn't... I, I could not tell what the difference was. Like, I, I mean, I heard them grinding at it, but then I just can't... Like Because I've I've seen a lot of Platinum coarse nibs. Um, I work with them when I stack nibs. I usually stack platinum nibs um, because they're very affordable. But I think the way that they ground it was it was a bit more flat-footed. Mm. And very curiously, it hard-started. But but I wonder
1: if, if it was sort of a form of QC actually done because... One thing uh, our uh, Morrisan which we talk about a lot, when he's selling his Wagner pens, he's saying that he almost always has to do some minor adjustments because the uh, the, the out of the box. When I mean, going back to how the episode started, right. out of the box, uh, platinum nibs, the quality is like all over the place. You often have to make some uh, tweak That's them, right. like, the times and yeah. whatever it may be
0: yeah and what's interesting when you buy a nakaya at the event is that the pen when you choose the pen, it does not have a nib in it right so you have to ask for the nib and then they have like a bag of nibs mm. um and then they have various different like options right they have like rhodium, they have like ruthenium and you know, they have all the nib sizes. so I believe those nibs that are in the bag of nibs should already be adjusted. It doesn't make sense to, like, you know, bring a bag of, like, random nibs. At the same time, though, I event. can
1: see how that can be part of, you know, the uh, the purchasing experience. Whether or not they actually do much, you you feel like you're getting something personalized for you. Yeah. Especially when you're paying that kind of money. It's uh, nice to feel That's like they are, they are putting the final touches on it to make sure it works just the way you want it.
0: That is true. That is true. Um, and... I don't know if we covered this already, but there has been some shady things going on with Nibs.com where um, Nibs.com is the US Mm. supposedly official retailer, which is not really official at all. Mm. It's like um, unofficially, the only place where you can buy a Nakaya like off the shelf in the US is from Nibs.com because they have some agreement. Mm. So... The selling point of nibs.com is that one, you can buy it without having the waiting time. Uh, two, you don't have to put upfront money; you pay and you get the you get the pen shipped immediately. Three, you can choose the nib size, and of course, you know somebody tunes it. So, what's interesting is that they had been allowing customers to choose music nibs, mm. but as we know, I don't know if we've discussed this on a podcast, but the Platinum Music nib is not only a different shape and a different feed, yeah. but the housing is also different because it needs to accommodate the alternate feed and nib.
1: Yeah, the the, um, the feed is Platinum's older one. Like They, they switched like mm-hmm. 10 years ago or whatever it was for all nibs except yep. for the music,
0: right? That's right and uh the feed has more channels mm. for the music nib and um and the nib is longer so there's about 30% more mm. gold in the music nib which is one of the reasons why it costs so much more mm. so what they had been doing what nibs.com had been doing is that if you order a a nakaya with music nib mm. they would take the music nib out cut off the end and um, cut a little notch into the nib so that it would fit on a regular plastic platinum feed. The problem with this is that the regular platinum feed only has one ink channel.
1: Yeah.
0: And therefore, the ink does not actually go under the tines. So in order to resolve this, what they had done is that they would cut diagonal stripes or... or um lines into mm. the feed kind of i guess to uh redirect the the flow of the ink now it is impossible that nakaya is okay with this right like like there's no world in which nakaya would agree to doing this so do we know if they tell the
1: customers in advance about it because if they do that i i can see that being like okay as so like a certain sort of aftermarket thing they do
0: right right we know that they do not tell the customers so i had uh two or three people actually come to me and somebody actually sent me their nakaya because it was just not writing well uh the the tines were all over the place mm. um and so they didn't know why the the nib was writing so poorly so they had it sent it to me, and then I had to redo the nib. Um I had to uh redo the the feed, uh fit it with a new feed. Um so they do not tell their customers, and I know that at least a few of their customers have come to me asking me if I know why it doesn't work well. So <laughs> I went and I asked Nakaya, I said, okay, um give it oh, the them. music. Well, I didn't ask them about Nibs.com. I asked them, in hindsight, I should have. But mm. I asked them, if I were to want a music nib on one of these pens, what should I do? And they said that if you want a music nib, you actually have to um, wait a few months. So you fill it out, you, you purchase the thing, and they'll take it back to the factory. Mm. And then they will make a new part. Right. So they have to make a new part for it to actually fit into the pen so that you could have a music nib. Right. So that was pretty interesting uh, to know that, you know, obviously even Nakaya does not just chop off the back of their their nibs. And according to some people, uh, I won't I won't mention names because uh, I don't want anybody to get in trouble, but according to some people uh, who are very familiar with um, nibs.com's operations, they're not telling Nakaya and Nakaya would probably be very, very angry if they found this out. So, um, anyways, that was a, an interesting tidbit that I right. had learned from from the Nakaya uh, people there. Um, and it seems like they might be... I'm not sure if its sales are going so well that they had to add new nib people or whether the older um, Yoshida-san is thinking of like fully retiring. Because the new lady was pretty young. Mm. Yeah. So anyways, that was the dorsal fin to Blue Isume. Yep. And Jacob, you, you did a post on Drillog. So you've kind of been like a Drillog um, influencer. Now. <laughs> I
1: guess so. Yes. So, in the previous episode, I said that I finally got my my Drelog pen, which I got in a very roundabout way through <laughs> tax scheme, um, legally. <laughs> but uh, since then, I have been using it more. And I've been doing various tests, and I have written a blog post with my thoughts on this pen. So, if you remember back at Tips last year when when it was sort of announced. They had this table, and there was one guy sitting at a table that dipped a drillog pen in some ink, and then he just wrote like lines for seemingly forever, right? And they talked about how you can write you can write so much on a single dip, more than you can with a glass pen, right? And mm-hmm. that was one of the first things I wanted to test. So um so I got my pen right and I just had gotten a new Itoya ink and Itoya cocktail ink so I decided to use that ink and uh, so I dipped my little pen in that ink and I had this b5-ish notebook and I started writing and uh, I could write about like s- after like 70 or 80 percent I couldn't write a full page uh, which probably that's in a safe is not a problem but it's probably a bit less than I had expected. I also noticed that like the first few lines, they were very, very wet. Obviously, it's the same thing with glass nibs, but it was even more pronounced. It's like you're writing. It's like you're writing with a glue gun, right? It's like you had this like three-dimensional uh, text because of the surface tension, right? And then it gets drier and drier. It gets lighter and lighter, and then it finally, uh, runs completely dry. Um, so I think that was even more pronounced with a Drillog than with a glass pen. And then also noticed that I had to rotate the pen a few times, right? So I wrote maybe like 40% of the page and then it ran dry. Then I rotated slightly and then I got some more ink left in another ink channel. So I could write a little bit more. Now that one got dry, rotated a bit, like rinse and repeat a few times. Uh, I can't remember having done that with a glass nib, but it might be the same thing. Um, so those were two observations, but then I, I wanted to compare this to a glass pen, but I didn't have a glass pen at the time. But what I had was this Moonman uh, pen, I think it's called N6, which has this swappable nib. So it comes with both fountain pen nibs and with an acrylic sort of fake glass nib. So I thought, okay, let me try with this acrylic nib. So I performed the same experiment with a Moonman um, pen, with the acrylic nibs. I dipped it in ink and I started writing in the very same notebook and To my surprise, I could write even longer um, with the Moonman. Not only that, the ink flow was a bit more controlled, so you didn't have quite as wet lines at first, and I didn't have to rotate uh, the nibs. I thought, hmm, that's not quite what I expected. I thought, okay, maybe I'd screwed up this experiment. So let me just clean both the nibs, let me just redo the experiment from scratch. So I did that, and I got the same results again. So then I thought, okay, maybe there's something funny going on with this Toya ink. It's kind of unusual ink. People know don't, I mean, this is not the ink that people would normally use. So I thought, what is a very boring standard ink? So I thought, okay, let's try with Pilot Blue Black. So I cleaned the pens again, and I dipped them in Pilot Blue Black, and I did the same experiment again, and got the same result again. It's like 70-ish percent with a drill log, and like basically a full page with the moon. I was like, hmm, that's... Not quite what I had expected. So then I talked to Alessa in Girox, and because she she, she got the, her Drillog pen before mine, she has a zero point five version. I had a zero point eight version, so, so slightly a broader nib. And she said that that this was not her experience. Her drillog pen can write. She can write longer with her nib Drillog pen than with any of her glass pens. So maybe I thought maybe this is some kind of difference between a 0.5 and 0.8 version, but I didn't have a 0.5 to test with. So I just posted uh, this this blog post with my findings, and then um, Drillog contacted me via Twitter and I said like, thanks for writing the post. Uh, Could you try just to clean the pen in a slightly different way? (laughs) So, So they gave me instructions to use like a toothbrush and like soapy water to make sure I remove any residual oils. In case there were any. So I followed their instructions as closely as I could and then I read an experiment experiments and same result again. Then so I thought, okay, let me at least try with some other ink. So I tried with Pelican Blue Black instead of Pilot Blue Black. And with pelican blue black, I could write almost a full page. So I thought, hmm, that's kind of interesting. So then I I recall this this measurement, this test done by Shumino Bungabaku. So we talked about Shumino Bungabaku many times, right? There's this magazine that has all kinds of articles and about fountain pens and ink and paper and and they have on a number of occasions tested viscosity and surface tension of popular inks. So I happened to have one of the issues when they did that, so issue 40. So I looked at the the table uh, in issue 40 and I found that Pilot Blue Black and Pelican Blue Black, they have almost exactly the same viscosity. So uh, 0.95, 0.97 What is it there? Micro pascal seconds or <laughs> whatever the unit is, but the surface tension was quite different. So the pelican ink has quite a bit higher surface tension than pilots, and I'm wondering if that is the uh, the difference, and, and why 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 I can write more uh, with a pelican ink. And also, like to continuation of that. Uh, I may be talking nonsense now because I don't know much about chemistry so I apologize in advance, but I believe that water generally has higher surface tension than your average fountain pen ink. And I suspect, I haven't seen the numbers, but I suspect that these very light, watery toner and limbs inks that are so popular in Japan, I suspect that unless they have some kind of surfactant that they all too might have slightly higher than average surface tension and by extension i wonder if perhaps they have been you know testing and using those things because they are so popular in japan so maybe this is a nib that is kind of uh, uh, optimized for the inkunuma crowd
0: in japan i have to say i really admire your Dedication (laughs) to testing all of these papers and things—that must have taken a long time. My
1: hand was pretty sore after writing like a number (laughs) of pages. Yes,
0: but you know, after having said all this, Mm. what was the better writing experience? So,
1: I have one particular. Problem with a drill log, and but but that has to do with my 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 large hands. So I, I said in the last episode that the pen is a bit uncomfortable in my hand. So I have this model that it has this uh, faceted twisted bar- twisted barrel, right? But the problem is not the facets. The problem is that that the pen is almost like a pocket pen and it doesn't post, so it's too small for my hands. But I've had a few right. other people now testing. I do see my pen. So Keiko tried it, Alessa tried it, a few other people tried it, and, and no one else has complained about the pen being uncomfortable.
0: Well, I think the pen is pretty uncomfortable because of the twisted facets, personally. Mm, um, okay. I, I did sell the exact same model. Uh, my bigger issue with the pen is that uh, the the capping and uncapping is just so squeaky that I definitely had to lube um, my the one that I had sold mm. so that it would work like without kind of you know blowing my ears out right right every time I tried to uncap it
1: there's a bit of that I, th- yeah.
0: I think if they made it like postable that would definitely be an improvement because then it can rest in my hand exactly. rather than me having to like just death grip it
1: yeah I think Brad Dowder said on his podcast that it's definitely not... I mean, he hasn't... I don't think he's tried it yet, but it's definitely not for everyone. But it is definitely an interesting dip pen. And I think there are... Other than, you know, the, the, the novelty factor, I think there are two main reasons. Two reasons why you may want to buy a Relog pen. The first one is that... If you want to to do ink testing at a pen show or at a pen meetup, this is the perfect pen for that, right? Because it's not nearly as fragile as a glass pen. So you just cap it and you put it put it in your pen case on your bag and you, and you go to your pen group meetup and it's perfect for that. Yeah. That's the first one. The other one, which I think we may have mentioned before, but the these Drillog nibs, and this is something that Drillog themselves say on their website they don't have any problem with pigmented or shimmering inks. And remember, we talked a few episodes back, back about this this controversial tweet from the SASE about how glass pens, not all of them, but, but some of them have problems with pigmented and shimmering inks because the particles just get stuck in the grooves, right? Yeah. Uh, interesting, what Drillog says is that it is only the... 0.8 millimeter nib so the one i have the broader one that can handle pigmented and shimmering inks well but Alessa again she has the 0.5 version and she has been using it with all kinds of quirky tonal limbs shimmering inks and she has, hasn't had any problems so i think that those are t- t- two, uh, two major selling points
0: i i think also if they made the tip a little bit bigger like instead of having a zero point Eight, maybe if they had, like, a 1.5. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be really good for... It would be a good replacement for one of those, like, Browse lettering pens, the monoline yeah. pens. Um, because then you can use, like, India inks and, and stuff like that, so you can be, like, really a kind of calligraphy use pen as well. I wonder if they're going to bring out, like, more... Um, nib shapes i hope so i hope so
1: i asked him about that and they said yes both both finer and broader nibs are, are in the pipeline so that, that's going to happen and i said I, I would love to try broader nib and i said <laughs> we will you'll be the first one to test <laughs> if we come up with a broader <laughs> nib so I, i'm looking forward <laughs> to that uh, but obviously yes I, um you mentioned monoline lettering and we, we talked I don't know how many times about like and how he started like a monolettering movement in Japan, right? I'm yeah, sure yeah, yeah. that if they make a nave that that that's that will be suitable for the kind of monolettering
0: that he does, that that, that will
1: be a success.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think, like, I think there's a lot of potential here. Yeah. Um, it's just very expensive for what it is right now. Um, which is fine, you know. It takes a lot of craftsmanship. I'm okay with that. Um, but given that it is so expensive, I really need it to be much more comfortable.
1: I tried the other ones at Tips, but I just can't remember. i looking at their website. They have some <laughs> quite interesting shapes. I, I I'm not sure how comfortable those would be. Um, but it's it's possible that there there are some models that would fit my fit my my hand better uh, another thing by the way is that they so they asked me you know we're going to do this kickstarter now and we we want to reach out to like western uh stationary bloggers and influencers but we don't know anyone whatsoever outside japan so can can you help can you can you help us <laughs> uh, so, so, right so i i gave them a few names so i think yeah uh, we might see some more drill uh, reviews and posts coming up pretty soon
0: I believe they sent a pen to Mr. Brad Dowdy. Yeah. So anyways, but you know, we'll, we'll we're waiting to see what the um the Western audience mm. think about um think about these pens as well. Yeah, um, definitely. And did you t- test these on that new B seven paper? I don't even no. <laughs> I haven't. <it. laughs> um I think Keiko tried it yesterday,
1: yeah. I haven't tried it myself, but uh, I have, Yes. Yeah, so so let's talk a bit about this paper, so, yes, yeah, so a few days ago I talked to uh, Moe, you know, one of those monolettering Instagrammers, and she recommended this paper called B7 Tranext, and I've heard about this paper before, uh, but it somehow just didn't register on my radar, so I didn't really pay attention until she recommended it, Um. But then, um, but so then I said, okay, well, I might as well give it a try. And then I saw that Yamamoto Paper had just started selling um, A4, B7 Tranex papers. So I I just put in an order and uh, order some uh Tranex. and and I got it a few days ago. And those who follow me. Um, on Instagram might be might bother me talking about this paper now because I've been spamming them with uh, story posts and even a feed post about this paper. So yeah, B7 Tranext is made by the same company that makes Cosma Airlite. It's called N- Nippon Paper Group.
0: Which is a huge company, by the way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, 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 most of these <laughs> stationary paper companies t- tend to be tend to be big. Yes. Yeah, so and I would say the papers are, they're similar, but compared to Cosme Air Light, I will say that uh, B7 Tranex is whiter and it has a little bit more more texture. It's not a huge difference, but it's a bit more texture and they even call it like yeah, a rough, rough jaw or whatever they call it. So that's sort of one, one, of, the, one of the features of the paper. And just like Cosmere Light, it shows like shading and sheen just beautifully. Um, it's also quite light. I think this is like 70 or 75 GSM, but it feels a little bit thicker than that. And apparently that is intentional. They have this production technique called like kasadaka, I think, where they somehow make it like more low density than normal paper, so that it feels a little bit like softer than, than regular paper. You tried it, was it yesterday, right?
0: Yeah, I actually really like this paper. Um, for the record, I hate Cosmo Air Light with a passion. <laughs> I hate that paper. Because it's just like first of all, you could never write with a um you can't write on Cosmo Air Light with an ultra fine nib. Right? Like it it just spreads. It 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 feels like the The paper just draws the ink out of the pen m- rather than the ink being put on the paper. So whatever you do with it, it's like you're writing with one size bigger than what mm. your nib actually is. And it kind of looks just like mm. blobby. Um, it actually reminds me of what ink looks like when you put too much um, lubricants in them. The B7 Tranics is as you said shows um shows sheening um I think not as much as Tom River, but still shows sheening quite well um shows shading again, not as much as Tom River but still quite well, and it doesn't show through on the back, which is a huge upgrade mm. from Tom River. The difference is in the writing experience whereas Tom River is much more smooth in my opinion mm. uh the b seven trine has a, a texture that is similar to customer light where it feels like you're kind of writing a bit on like clouds um but because of the way that the the ink shows up on the paper for me that's much more acceptable i would say
1: this i would say it still has a li- little bit of that sort of swelling that customer light has. It's not quite as much but you get a little bit of that, that lines are fed like, They don't feather, they swell like, evenly, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's like you um, like you type something in, in Word and then you select it and you press the B button. Yeah, I think the shading in particular looks really good. Um, and the paper is not that expensive. It's half the price of a bank paper Takasago Premium. It's cheaper than regular bank yeah. paper, and it's cheaper than grafilo. So I, I think this could be quite interesting.
0: So we're going to um, buy this paper and make notebooks out of it. That, In that, time for planners. That, planner that, that
1: could be something. That could be something. <laughs>
0: All right. Yeah, let's see. But th- this paper is pretty good. Yeah. Um, but you, you went to Wagner when I went to um, Itoya uh, the other day, and you got some... Pretty interesting pens. Uh, yeah, you got. Uh, let's let's talk about your favorite uh, acquisition from there.
1: Let me just sort of explain the event first, and then I'll explain uh, the, the pens from from that I got. So, I think I said in the last episode that I didn't think I could go to the two days pen trading event because I would be working. It turns out I didn't actually have to be in the office, but I had to be like reachable and on call. So I went there, but, but I brought my headset and my, my IC card just in case I would be called up or asked to come into the office. Um, but if you read Morrison's blog, like he, like before this pen trading event, he always put up a, a blog post explaining like how it's going to work, like, like where it is, the opening time and so on. And, and he, he seemed to think that there would be a, a, a queue very early. So he said that it opens 10 a.m. You can line up from 9 a.m., but you can't line up earlier because we're not, we're not going to count that. So I said, he seemed to be expecting people lining up early. So I went there like eight, between like, sorry between 9.30 and 9.40, and I think I was the fifth person in line. Um, and of course, the very first person in line was the famous or infamous tsunami He uh, He doesn't kid around with this stuff. <laughs> um, so was he buying stuff? I I didn't see, but I see. Su- I assume he, he bought. I assume he at least looked at the the vintage tables and s- just to see if there was mm-hmm. something he to add to his fifteen thousand pen collection. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they were all the, the usual suspects there. Um, and I while waiting in line, by the way, I I took some notes. And I used my 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 chubby Moonman Q one, and that pen is quite a conversation starter. Like the moment I started writing with it, everyone wanted to know what pen it was, or where to buy it, and 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 how it feels to write with. So, <laughs> I I think that pen is it, it is a candidate for pen of the year. It's a it, it's it's a smash hit.
0: Yeah, like uh Moonman. I mean, sorry to, to derail the conversation, but last year our pen of the year was the T one, right? Mm. Yeah, Q, yeah, it, it uh, could could be Q
1: one, Q one this way. At least yeah. it, it's the most hilarious pen this year. I, I love it for yeah. that reason alone. But anyway, yeah. Yep. So around like 10 a.m., I think there were around like 10 or 15 people in total. So it wasn't exactly like a long line. Um, so one of the first things I did when it opened, I went to Mister Pilot's table, and of course, Mister Pilot is there. Mister Pilot is always there, right? Um. I bought some stuff from, from him, but I also asked him, as we said that, that I would do, I asked him about these Pilot ES, or extra smooth nibs. Right. But he said that those were those were launched around the time or just after he had left Pilot. So he didn't know. Mm. Um, but I bought some pants that, that I would get in time for tips. So he promised to do, do the research and, and get back mm-hmm. to me by, by tips with a an update on what happened to these ES nibs. Actually at another event we'll talk about that in a second but at another event I did hear more about the ES nibs I do have some updates on that but not from from um, Mr. Pilot but then I went to Tomoko's to the listops table right and she of course she had this new seller uh, made ink called Kamogawa and I think you were the first one to tell our little Tokyo group about this ink like in our Instagram group chat. And I think I made like a snarky comment that it's just like a re Sailor123 based on the photos. That's right. Which is probably not not that far from the truth. It's not exactly the same, but there are similarities for sure. Uh, But I still decided to get a bottle of that ink because I thought I needed a chromo shading ink for my paper testing. And then Koe, who couldn't come to this event, uh, she wanted some inks. I got some some inks uh, for her. And then since I was there anyway, I asked Tomoko if she was aware of J.P. Select, if she knew that there was a business selling her pens systematically at like a close to hundred fifty dollar markup, and she said she is aware of it, she is unhappy about it, but she cannot. She said she cannot do anything about it.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: reason why she cannot do anything about it is that although she can, she can limit the number of. Um, Purchases per checkout per transaction to one. She cannot prevent customers from buying over and over and apparently that is what's happening. So she has no way of stopping Mm. that. Um, And then I asked her what prevents you from just cutting out this gapper and selling to overseas people directly? And then she said, there's a few reasons for that. First of all, the the online store that she's using, like the software doesn't have a good easy way of doing an English version. There's no easy way of of, uh, offering uh, international overseas shipping and uh, adding the cost for that. She wants to do that eventually, but there's no easy way of doing that right now. That was one of her answers. The other answer, interestingly, is that uh, if we talk about her previous sailor Pen and ink set, it was a sumisome, whatever it was called. Remember that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said that sailor doesn't want her to sell the ink, not the pen, but but the ink overseas. So apparently the pen itself, not a problem, but the ink, uh, uh, she can only sell the ink in Japan.
0: I, I wonder why. Yeah,
1: that was, that was quite quite interesting. So apparently, she had there's no restrictions on the pen, but but since the ink and the pen is sold as a set, and I guess she didn't want to sell the pen separately, she could not offer that uh, directly to overseas customers.
0: I wonder if it's an agreement with um with Itoya USA because they actually sell Bungabox inks, mm. uh via um via Ito Itoya Portfolio USA. Mm and i don't think Bunga Box actually you know is part of that particular deal they're, they're long for the ride <laughs> yeah like you can buy bungabux things at like um vanessa or something right right um so so maybe there's like an agreement there where if she were or if it were to be offered it has to be offered through um say, the portfolio
1: yeah that, that that is that sounds like a possible possible uh, explanation. And then I asked, so what about your toner and limb sinks? Do you have the same restrictions for them? And then she said, no, 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 not at all. You can sell toner and limb sinks anywhere. They they don't care.
0: Yeah, you can sell it out of your garage. (laughs) Which people frequently do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: So I found found that to be quite interesting. So then I asked, so what about... No, sorry. Then she said, uh, regarding the Wagner pen... If you want to buy them from overseas, you can buy them from Morisant. And and I said, I know that because I have redirected various customers to Morisant. But then I said, the problem is that unless you, you know the email address, or unless you know exactly how to order, it can be quite hard. And I'm not just talking about like understanding Japanese. Even if you're a Japanese speaker, if you go to Morisant's blog, it can be quite hard to figure out... A, that he's even selling a pen, and B, how to go about ordering it. Right. And I, I don't know, I, either they <laughs> didn't realize that or they, yeah, they are laughing about that. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if that will change in the soon, but um, if you're willing to put in the effort, you can, you can buy um, Wagner pens from Morrison directly.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think like, for me, um you know people people ask me to buy pens and 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 resell it uh to to them but i try to avoid selling pens that directly ship overseas um because if it were possible i would actually just prefer for all of the shops to be able to be purchased overseas Mm. um and I had the exact same conversation with Bunga Box. Um, and Bungabox like, yeah, like, we know that th- this happens, but there's nothing we can do about it. And then, you know, I, I said to them, I said, well, um, some people ask me to buy your pens and make grind on them and then sell it to them. And so what Kaudasam of Bunga Box was saying is that, well, if you, like, do a value-added service mm. onto the pen, Right, that's fair because that's not something that Boonga Box offers. Um, but if you're just like selling the pen, like without any like value-added service to it, I think that's where it's pretty touchy with the uh, with the retailers, right? Mm. And that I think that's why, at least for me, JP Select kind of puts a bad taste in my mouth because because JP Select s- sells every single nib size. Right, it's it's not just like one particular nip size, mm-hmm. you know, she's not getting like one or two of them, she's it's not every single nip size. And apparently, like and we'll go through this in a in a future episode, but you know, apparently she's like this twenty six year old lady out of Yokohama doing this all by herself, which you know, she she's trying to kind of like appeal to to the oh, I'm a hard working um business owner. But then you see that their contact site is actually part of a, a bigger company yeah. um, contact site, and there, there's so many things that are like where the story just doesn't add up. So that that's kind of where it puts a bad taste in my mouth. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope that um, I hope that one um, that Lyctop is able to find a a better checkout system in order to do this. I mean, this this doesn't sound difficult to me. Right, like mm. it doesn't sound difficult to just add like thirty dollars as a as like a pricing option to international shipping. Um, but the second thing is, you know, we know that services in Japan, um, not just retail services, but also like these internet services, are very much geared to domestic market only. Mostly, also because they don't speak English. There's
1: definitely, I mean, so Tomoko does. Speak English, I think. I, I, I've i heard her speaking yeah.
0: English, but I think there's still... There's a certain, like, Mendoxi factor to it. No, I'm not talking about Tomka. I'm talking about, like, the, the company that provides the software for her checkout, yeah, yeah, yeah. for her EC site. They don't speak English. Mm. so So they don't really care about the outside market. And therefore, they don't make products that are, like, easily... Um, usable for people outside of Japan either. So like it's it's this whole ecosystem mm. that we have here, right, in Japan, where everything is so geared towards the domestic market. Um, that makes it very difficult. And you know, I I don't blame people for going to places like JP Select to to buy the pens because sometimes they're the only places where you can get them.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's true. I, and this is a bit of a tangent, but in a way. In a way, I have a bigger problem with Pensace than JP Select here. And the reason why I'm saying that is that Pensace, they don't say what pens they're selling. They just make up their own names as if they are trying to hide which retailer is actually selling it. Because in many cases, they are selling pens that's that's the original retailer is actually willing to sell overseas directly. And I'm thinking about Nagasawa for example, and I think even um, Ishimaru sells overseas, uh, but they are just—they're not saying this is a Nagasawa pen or this is an Ishimaru pen. They just make up their own names for the pens.
0: But JP Select does the same thing, and they're also doing this like um, parts bin swapping pieces. Like so, the, I'm, I'm looking at their Instagram right now, twenty mm. third of June. They posted Sailor. Yohira no murasaki this pen doesn't exist this pen is not a this was never put on the market by a by a retailer this didn't exist um they're selling like the Rosa mini and um they, they say it's a Rosa mini but they don't say that it's from Nagasawa in fact they put it next to the Pentel mm. no and all they say in the description is very beautiful combination we recommend this product okay maybe that's just is bad <laughs> And I'm still not convinced that they are separate companies either.
1: Yeah, who knows. There are are resellers, big and small, that sometimes they they seem at least connected, related. Yeah. And as we have hinted at before, maybe that is a topic of a future episode.
0: Yeah. so so you did find a very rare item. (laughs) Yeah. At the next table over.
1: Yeah, so so backtracking with going back to Wagner's, I went to Morrisan's table. Uh First of all, I asked if he had any old um, Wagner pens, and he was just laughing. He said, yeah, "I I've sold every single one." I think he he's been surprised that for the last like two three years, there's been a lot of new interest in uh, Wagner pens. Because I remember going to Wagner events like three years ago, four years ago. They'd have all of them. Yeah, all of them, right? Uh, now they are a very hot commodity. <laughs> 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 uh, and then I also asked him about, uh, we talk, We ended up talking about this Moon Moon Q1, and I said, yeah, I read your blog post, but you said that you're going to make some Ebonite version. Is that actually going to happen? And he said, it is not not you know, decided yet, but he is definitely thinking about it. But he wants something that is closer to Platinum's uh, Glamour pen than, than the, the the Tombow, and. Um, and again, as he said, he wants to do it in Ebonite. And he wants he definitely wants to put a number five size nib. And I said, wouldn't that look like unbalanced, very small nib? And he and he was just laughing and that was sort of the point. It sort of yeah. added to the humor value, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um
1: but um, but, but yeah, as usual he had a number of pens for sale and um one of the pens was the conid. And um as I told you <laughs> <laughs> Over chat, I didn't know what model it was, but I saw a Conen for a good price. And since everyone keeps talking about these Conen pens, and i never ne- never really used one myself, just tried yours. And uh, you know Dan from New York, he always has like a whole big pen case full of Conens. So I've tried them briefly, but I never had one, one myself. And I thought, you know, let me just get one and play with it. And I'm sure I can very easily sell it if I don't like it. Um so I, I bought it without even knowing which model it was. <laughs> it turns out that this is the Minimalistica. And it came with a titanium BB nib, which first of all, I hated the nib. I hated the nib because this BB nib is, I guess, it's a box nib. It's basically a stub, but like it has no drop. And I don't like stub nibs. Right. Um, but that's fine. I mean, I have a box full of other nibs, so that wasn't really an issue. Um I like the I like this the the grip section was quite comfortable. Um, I did not like the capping mechanism because it's, I mean I do like the idea of a snap cap, but this is not even a snap cap. This is it doesn't have that satisfying like Pilot Prera type click, right?
0: Right, it's a friction cap. Yes.
1: And then, you know, the filling system... This is, this is like the, the Rube Goldberg of filling system. It's like overly complicated and it's solving a problem that I don't see... I, I, it doesn't need to be solved. I, I understand. I understand, like, the, the engineering. I, the, there's certain beauty in uh, how well-made it is and how well it works. But it's just overly complicated for my simple needs.
0: I actually... Am a big fan of that that filling system. Um, my favorite pen BBS is the three five five, which um is a similar but, uh, but different enough um, way. So, controversial uh opinion. I actually <laughs> think that the three five five does the job better. Oh, that's interesting. Because, the way that the Conid works is that um, you know, you you have the. The washer, you you go down and then you kind of twist it, um, you you, you twist it into into the position mm. and it gets locked in. Um, so the way that that works on the conid is that there is a slope. So you slide it into the slope, and then and then you you unscrew the mm. uh, the rod. In the three five five, there's no s- s- slope, but instead it's a cross. So there's like a cross, and um, there are these notches on the bottom and then you slit them into the notches and then you you can unscrew that so in a way I feel like that's a bit more secure for me at least mm. um that's interesting but uh but again I think the 355 is a 35-40 dollar pen the Conant is at the retail price was like an 800 dollar pen um your particular model is like a 500 600 dollar pen mm. so like I have few conids. I really want a minimalistica. Um <laughs> you were uh, chasing me, stalking me about this pen. I was. Um I actually do have one on order, but it's been it's been a few months. Uh uh yeah. A yes. mm, few double digit months. Um but uh I want the pen mostly because of the shape because it's kind of like a, a tapered right. um shape and I want to put a tubular nib in it because I think that would look hilarious. Um, but my two regulars, now that I have a king size, I'm going to sell my, my Conid regulars. And and then I just bought actually yesterday um, two more uh, 355s. So, you know, if I can get like custom caps on these just because I, I just don't like the PenBBS branding... But if we can get custom caps on these, I think, you know, they're in many ways, for me, an even better pen.
1: Yeah, you may want to turn off Instagram direct messages for a few weeks now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. But you also went to another event, I think, today.
1: Uh, yes. So this was, yes, um, this was not planned at all. Well, so I I wanted to go to... Itoya, I went to Itoya because I wanted to buy some some planner stuff. So I bought yet another planner but that's that's a story for a future episode. But I, I wanted to get some some accessories for my new planner. But then when I went to Itoya I saw a sign that said there's this pilot event going on in the other building. So I thought, hmm well I'm a pilot fanboy. I gotta, know, gotta see what this is about. So I went to this pilot event and it was it was more interesting than I thought it would be. So, first of all, they had all kinds of uh, old exotic models on display. They had, you know, some of the very early capitalist models. They have all kinds of anniversary models like the Shijin, um, the, the 80th anniversary. They had all kinds of exotic uh, Namikis and some even older models. Then they had this build your own Prera. Uh, thing going on so we talked before about itoya's build your own like mighty which is itoya's own brand and we talked about how right. this sailor ancora shop has this build your own sailor Profit junior right so this was sort of in the same vein as those where you you pick a prera cap a section and a barrel and to make it you know however you want and with with the, the three different nibs available so that was kind of fun i didn't buy one but I like the fact that that was offered, Um, but then they had this this, uh, table where you could measure your writing pressure and your writing angles. They had this special pen, I think you've done this before, but they had a special pen with, with a cable connected to some kind of machine. And then they give you a piece of paper and then you write on that and then they give you a printout that says Here's your, your writing pressure, here are the, you know, the average values and here's your writing angles and here are the nibs that we recommend based on these results. So I did that and to my surprise I have pretty low uh, writing pressure. I thought I, I was uh, um, more more in the sort of keiko end of that range but uh, no I have pretty <laughs> low writing pressure and I have I, and I write apparently at like 53-ish de- degree angle, and the recommendations were fine and medium fine for me, which I'm not sure I, I agree with. you done the same thing before, right?
0: I have, and uh, it was like medium fine and fine as well. Um, I don't remember keeping my test. I, I just thought it was like a funny thing. Yeah. Um, but I think these tests are like... I think it's good to to measure the angle and the um, uh, and the rotation, but how hard I write with my nibs depends on what nib it is. Yeah, that, definitely. If I'm writing with a flex nib, right? Like I vary between between my pressure because yeah. I want to make hairlines and then shading. Um, so so I I don't really <laughs> necessarily see that as like a fair comparison, but I think regularly. It it's really meant for like buying your first pen, right? Like, but oh, I don't not just
1: that. So one reason why I, why I found this interesting or useful is that you know when you, when you go when you go and um, and request a a custom nib grind from like nib grinder or even from Nagahara. Like, uh, from his mailing service, right? You get like all kinds of questions about how you write and what is your angle and and what right. is your rotation, and you don't know, right? It's, <laughs> it, yeah, that part
0: is is the most valuable part, right? Right, like uh, the, because uh, that's the, sort of
1: the most intimidating part of uh, of ordering a custom grind because now you're all worried, right? What if what if my measurement is wrong? What if I'm gonna get a nib grind that is not actually suitable for me because I I, I measured it wrong? So so. I I am happy that I got some some hard numbers that I can use next time I request a custom grind.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's uh. I think it's it's definitely worth doing, and it's free. It it was free, yes. And and interesting, this was done
1: by by the pilot's pen doctor.
0: Yes, yes, the, these are all done by the pen doctor.
1: And, and, and so since he was there anyway, I decided to ask him some questions. So I asked him the very same question about these E S extra smooth nibs. And he said, first of all, he, he pointed me to, to the display and he said that the extra smooth nibs that were introduced in 2001... And the, and and they were like one, They were part of the standard product catalog, but only for about one year. And the reason for that was that it was so hard for Pilot to explain the the benefit, the purpose of these nibs. And even when you write with them, the the difference between a like normal round nib and an ES nib is so subtle, like that, like you can't. I mean, it's not that easy to tell what the difference is. So, so the, basically, they weren't that popular, and that's why they were they were quickly discontinued. That, that's what he said.
0: I think that makes sense. Which which is interesting because then they still have like things like SU, yeah, um, which I don't think is that popular. I mean, when I got an imp ground by Nagahara, one of the customers next to us, yeah, I asked Nagahara. He was like because I, I, I was getting a medium italic mm. and then um and then uh this this other customer's like, do people actually write with those? Like do they write with italics? And Nagaharna kinda just looked at him and was like, Yes. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> stubs aren't that popular in, in Japan, right. so I'm I'm pretty surprised.
1: Yeah. So 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 I asked the, the um the pen doctor one more thing. So I said uh, so I found this pen with a signature nib, but I can't find much information online about the signature nibs. So w- what can you tell me about the signature nibs? And he said that you know, uh, back in the day, you, you so you had this lineup with posting and script and manifold and signature. And he explained the way he he explained it: the posting was just a hard extra fine, script was just a hard fine manifold was hard medium and signature was just a hard like bb to coarse nib.
0: But the one that you had wasn't hard.
1: Well, well he, hard in a sense that like, compared to the the there were soft nibs that are not just the Falcon. The Falcon existed but they were also I'm not sure what, what he called them but they said they were soft nibs at the time. Uh, so it's so hard compared to those.
0: Mm. Okay. Okay, yeah, I can see that.
1: But it's still, uh, I, 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 in hindsight, I should have asked more questions. Or I should have, I guess, I should have brought my nib because I think I'm not <laughs> sure if my signature nib is a bit different. Maybe it's been ground. I'm not sure. But it's not just, it's not just like a BB or caution nib. It has more facets. I think it's not as round, mm, kind as of like, like a zoom BB. nib. Yeah,
0: yeah, kind of like a zoom nib. Exactly.
1: That's for my unexpected Itoya pilot
0: <laughs> event report. But it looked pretty it looked pretty fun actually.
1: Yeah, it, it was. It was. I, I'm I'm tempted to, to go back, bring some pens and ask yeah. some more questions and maybe actually buy something this time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I I wanted to talk a little bit about tono limbs in Osaka. Mm. Um but not for the event because as our listeners know, we don't cover tonal limbs anymore. Um but for the timing, because uh, what we had remarked almost a year ago to date uh, was that we're seeing this kind of, like, division between, like, glass pen people and, like, you know, fountain pen people. And at one time, there seemed to be a huge opportunity for, like, the Wagner crowd to be more inclusive uh, with the the younger, uh, more female audience. Mm. Um, but there had seemed to be... A split occurring and right about this time last year, we were talking about it. And, uh, you know, Bechori used to be a staple at Wagner, and he's the one that would bring in all of the, the younger crowds for his uh, mono lettering, right? Yeah. This time, they had a Tono Limbs event on the same dates as the Wagner events. So, almost in a way, I'm not sure i i I don't think it's deliberate, but almost in a way then splitting the crowd, and I went to Wagner after you, and it was pretty deserted, it's pretty deserted um lots of vendors had already went home, whereas we compared to the Tone of limbs event um it was very crowded right and, and even our uh, our friend went there and bought a, a glass pen as well, so I- I'm just wondering, like, you know, the Tono Limbs has pretty good relationships with you know Leektop and and uh, and Morison as well, but given that Leektop's audience is actually pretty close to the Tono Limbs audience, mm. I wonder if we're gonna see some kind of a, um, you know. I wonder if Lichtop is going to stay with Wagner or move to the Tonalims, um event kind of uh, cycle. That, yeah. I mean, that
1: would be uh, unexpected, I think, because how close Tomoko is to, to Mori-san, right? I, I, even if she would want to, even if she thought that for business reasons, that would be... The most, more prudent thing to do, I, I think, it's difficult for her to do that.
0: And Morison also has a hand, I think, in her business. the The business, the store, is in his office. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's just—it's um, interesting. It's food for thought. I think most of her customers are not like the Wagner type people. So even when I was there, um, the people who went to Tomoko's desk were mostly um the the more female audience whereas um the older male audience were all around Mr. Pilot, pretty much only at Mr. Pilot's table.
1: Yeah, I think that's true, but I think more is at least trying, and you can see that not mm. just because of the fact that, you know, uh line lineup, but also some other tables that There was one table selling some um, Takasaga premium bank paper, no- uh, uh, notebooks, yeah, right. And there was another table setting these Noto notebooks, um, right. uh, and I think there, there was some workshop. I'm not sure what workshop it was, but but there were some. I mean, maybe it's like make your own uh, notebook or whatever it was. So I think that they are trying to to mix, you know, the um, you know the Japanese black pen society type of tables. With with mm-hmm. the 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 news of and I think it's it's a good move to lower the um, the entry cost from two thousand to one thousand yeah. yen.
0: Uh what I would like to see is Tonalims Limbs kind of have a um cross pollination, like maybe a collab event with Wagner, to be honest. Um not because you know, I'm a fan of Wagner nor Tonalims, Limbs, but because I think it would do well for the scene. Um because Tone of limbs does does collaboration events with uh with um like uh Nagasawa, um with you know kobashi so um I think you know hopefully next year they will do some kind of a crossover event i think that would be really fun mm. um and i think it would be it would help vitalize give some life back to to Wagner as well
1: yeah, I think that that's that's definitely true. And I'm I'm, I'm yep. overall I, I'm I'm hoping that there will be a lot more, lot more events next year, and that there will there will be yep. more people. I'm, obviously, in the the yep. pandemic is probably one reason why you don't, the events are more deserted now than before.
0: Yeah. Although we just talked about four events in the last two weeks.
1: Yeah, that's true. By the way, just very <laughs> quick about it, about that, I haven't seen anything. Any announcements related to Inkunuma this year? I wonder if it's, if they're not doing it.
0: We'll have to see, but you know they were doing the crowd funding last year. Let's see. Um, maybe maybe we should send a, a message asking.
1: Yeah, because I mean that's... I mean we we talked about it extensively last year. That was. I mean I I don't have the financials. I don't know if it made financial sense for them, but at least it seemed like a very popular event.
0: Yeah, I agree, I agree. Um all right, we've we've talked a long time. Let's close it off with some uh quick thoughts about the Platinum Kinshu which went on sale on the 1st. Yeah. And the Sailor uh 110th. So we were able to uh touch them yesterday um at Maruzen. Uh what did you think about the Kinshu? I think you had the
1: most interesting observation that you had the various models in that series lined up and they were all sold at the original MSRP. So you could see the, <laughs> the, the um, how the pri- the price increase year by year, right?
0: Yeah, and it, it's it's like strange because the key is just a 1000 yen more expensive than the than the soon. And I remember when the student came out, I was not a big fan of that pen. Mm. And, and you know, they, they still have it all over in the stores. I think that the Kinshu is going to be not popular as well. Maruzen told me that the Kinshu has been selling very well and that, um that they think they're going to sell out of this pen, even though they had made more with a less naturally, obviously popular color. That surprises me. I, I mean, I, I... I wouldn't
1: expect sort of an orangey red pen to be to be more popular than, than a, a purple one, especially since the pattern is a bit more boring, I think, this time.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Like the So apparently the they they arrived at this four thousand something number because that was the number that was ordered by the retailers. So the retailers had more confidence in this pen. For me, doesn't make sense. We're gonna have to wait until next year to see if their predictions came true.
1: I think the the two pants that you see for the highest second hand price is Kompu and uh, Roka.
0: Yeah. Um, and then the Sailor One Tenth. I remember when it came out, we had a we had a brief discussion about this. Mm. Uh, and. We kind of said, I think the shirogane looks pretty cool. Um, obviously, back then there were still renders. Having seen it yesterday, it's like a very shiny silver. Mm. Kind of looks like aluminum, and it kind of made it look cheap.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I I wasn't really a fan of it to begin with, but I think you had a very interesting observation about the, the finial, which I think could be... a. Very important. Um, what did I say about
0: it? The material. Oh, right, right, right. It is the same kind of plasticky material that they used to use for these theta pens. Mm. Now, I'm surprised they use this rather than clear resin because if you find a theta pen with one of those plastic finials or the, these, like, you know, kind of gelatin feeling finials they are all browned, yellowed and they look nasty they're
1: all nasty
0: Yes, they are nasty so like, I'm pretty surprised they used that material um, the floating uh, new logo inside is bigger than I thought it would mm. be um, again I think this pen is a one for one copy of the Ohashito Especially the, especially the premium with with that um that gold band, mm. um, but what else struck me was that first of all the pen is very uncomfortable to hold because of the step down. That's a big step down. Yeah, and the the section and the nib look hilariously small. Yes. This should have been a KOP.
1: Yeah, it's it's not. Uh... It's not their their prettiest anniversary pen. That they had done some more interesting ones before, I think. Yeah.
0: yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. All right. Um, I guess this closes out the episode. We actually did have more to talk about, but we'll save that for next time. Uh, just because you know we we had to cover four events. We had we had um... a
1: main wait no we had two main topics that we didn't get to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and now I'm in Hokkaido I'm in Hakodate and I'm going to go to Ishida um, Bunguten tomorrow to see some of the gotochi so I'm sure we'll be able to talk about that there's one well in particular there's
1: some blue-black super sheener that uh, people go nuts about
0: alright I'll see if I can find that tomorrow but um, if we have nothing else to add uh, my name is CY, you can find me On my website at tokyostationpens.com On Instagram at tokyostationpens And on Twitter at tokyostationmnh
1: And my name is Jacob I'm a fan on Instagram And on Twitter I have a blog at foodofan.com
0: Bye 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 bye